Appendix to Chapters 5 through 8 of Ten Days That Shook the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ten Days That Shook the World by John Reed. Appendix to Chapter 5. 1. Appeals and Proclamations. From the Military Revolutionary Committee, November 8. To all army committees and all Soviets of soldiers' deputies. The Petrograd garrison has overturned the government of Kerensky, which had risen against the revolution and the people. In sending this news to the front and the country, the Military Revolutionary Committee requests all soldiers to keep vigilant watch on the conduct of officers. Officers who do not frankly and openly declare for the revolution should be immediately arrested as enemies. The Petrograd Soviet interprets the program of the new government as immediate proposals of a general democratic peace, the immediate transfer of great landed estates to the peasants, and the honest convocation of the constituent assembly. The People's Revolutionary Army must not permit troops of doubtful morale to be sent to Petrograd. Act by means of arguments, by means of moral suasion, but if that fails, halt the movement of troops by implacable force. The present order must be immediately read to all military units of every branch of the service. Whoever keeps the knowledge of this order from the soldier masses commits a serious crime against the revolution, and will be punished with all the rigor of revolutionary law. Soldiers, for peace, bread, land, and popular government. To all front and rear army, corps, divisional, regimental, and company committees, and all Soviets of workers, soldiers, and peasants' deputies. Soldiers and revolutionary officers. The Military Revolutionary Committee, by agreement with the majority of the workers, soldiers, and peasants, has decreed that General Kornilov and all the accomplices of his conspiracy shall be brought immediately to Petrograd for incarceration in Peter Paul Fortress and arraignment before a military revolutionary court-martial. All who resist the execution of this decree are declared by the committee to be traitors to the revolution, and their orders are herewith declared null and void. The Military Revolutionary Committee attached to the Petrograd Soviet of Workers' and Soldiers' Deputies. To all provisional and district Soviets of Workers', Soldiers' and Peasants' Deputies. By resolution of the All-Russian Congress of Soviets, all arrested members of land committees are immediately set free. The commissars who arrested them are to be arrested. From this moment all power belongs to the Soviets. The commissars of the provisional government are removed. The presidents of the various local Soviets are invited to enter into direct relations with the revolutionary government. Military Revolutionary Committee 2. Protest of the Municipal Duma The central city Duma, elected on the most democratic principles, has undertaken the burden of managing municipal affairs and food supplies at the time of the greatest disorganization. At the present moment, the Bolshevik party, three weeks before the elections to the Constituent Assembly, and in spite of the menace of the external enemy, having removed by armed force the only legal revolutionary authority, 
is making an attempt against the rights and independence of the municipal self-government, demanding submission to its commissars and its illegal authority. In this terrible and tragic moment, the Petrograd city Duma, in the face of its constituents, and of all Russia, declares loudly that it will not submit to any encroachments on its rights and its independence, and will remain at the post of responsibility to which it has been called by the will of the population of the capital. The central city Duma of Petrograd appeals to all Dumas and Zemstvos of the Russian Republic to rally to the defense of one of the greatest conquests of the Russian Revolution, the independence and inviolability of popular self-government. 3. Land Decree, Peasants, Nakaz. The land question can only be permanently settled by the General Constituent Assembly. The most equitable solution of the land question should be as follows. 1. The right of private ownership of land is abolished forever. Land cannot be sold, nor leased, nor mortgaged, nor alienated in any way. All dominical lands, lands attached to titles, lands belonging to the emperor's cabinet, to monasteries, churches, possession lands, entailed lands, private estates, communal lands, peasant freeholds, and others, are confiscated without compensation, and become national property, and are placed at the disposition of the workers who cultivate them. Those who are damaged because of this social transformation of the rights of property are entitled to public aid during the time necessary for them to adapt themselves to the new conditions of existence. 2. All the riches beneath the earth, ores, oil, coal, salt, etc., as well as forests and waters having a national importance, become the exclusive property of the state. All minor streams, lakes, and forests are placed in the hands of the communities, on condition of being managed by the local organs of government. 3. All plots of land scientifically cultivated, gardens, plantations, nurseries, seed plots, greenhouses, and others, shall not be divided, but transformed into model farms, and pass into the hands of the state or of the community according to their size and importance buildings communal lands and villages with their private gardens and their orchards remain in the hands of their present owners the dimensions of these plots and the rate of taxes for their use shall be fixed by law four all studs governmental and private cattle breeding and bird breeding establishments and others are confiscated and become national property and are transferred either to the state or to the community according to their size and importance all questions of compensation for the above are within the competence of the Constituent Assembly. 5. All inventoried agricultural property of the confiscated lands, machinery and livestock, are transferred without compensation to the state or the community according to their quantity and importance. The confiscation of such machinery or livestock shall not apply to the small properties of peasants. 6. The right to use the land is granted to all citizens, without distinction of sex, who wish to work the land themselves with the help of their families, or in partnership, and only so long as they are able to work. No hired labor is permitted. In the event of the incapacity for work of a member of the commune for a period of two years, the commune shall be bound to render him assistance during this time by working his land in common. 
farmers who through old age or sickness have permanently lost the capacity to work the land themselves shall surrender their land and receive instead a government pension seven the use of the land should be equalized that is to say the land shall be divided among the workers according to local conditions the unit of labor and the needs of the individual the way in which land is to be used may be individually determined upon as homesteads as farms by communes by partnerships as will be decided by the villages and settlements eight all land upon its confiscation is pooled in the general people's land fund its distribution among the workers is carried out by the local and central organs of administration beginning with the village democratic organizations and ending with the central provincial institutions with the exception of urban and rural cooperative societies the land fund is subject to periodical redistribution according to the increase of population and the development of productivity and rural economy in case of modification of the boundaries of allotments the original centre of the allotment remains intact the lands of persons retiring from the community return to the land fund providing that near relatives of the persons retiring or friends designated by them shall have preference in the redistribution of these lands when lands are returned to the land fund the money expended for manuring or improving the land which has not been exhausted shall be reimbursed if in some localities the land fund is insufficient to satisfy the local population the surplus population should emigrate the organization of the emigration also the costs thereof and the providing of emigrants with the necessary machinery and livestock shall be the business of the state the emigration shall be carried out in the following order first the peasants without land who express their wish to emigrate then the undesirable members of the community deserters etc and finally by drawing lots on agreement all which is contained in this nakaz being the expression of the indisputable will of the great majority of conscious peasants of russia is declared to be a temporary law and until the convocation of the constituent assembly becomes effective immediately so far as is possible and in some parts of it gradually as will be determined by the district soviets of peasants deputies four the land and deserters the government was not forced to make any decision concerning the rights of deserters to the land the end of the war and the demobilization of the army automatically removed the deserter problem five the council of people's commissars the council of people's commissars was at first composed entirely of bolsheviki this was not entirely the fault of the bolsheviki however on november eighth they offered portfolios to members of the left socialist revolutionaries who declined see page two hundred seventy three of original volume appendix to chapter six one appeals and denunciations appeal to all citizens and to the military organizations of the socialist revolutionary party Quote, the senseless attempt of the bolsheviki is on the eve of complete failure the garrison is disaffected the ministries are idle bread is lacking all factions except a handful of bolsheviki have left the congress of soviets the bolsheviki are alone 
abuses of all sorts, acts of vandalism and pillage, the bombardment of the Winter Palace, arbitrary arrests, all these crimes committed by the Bolsheviki have aroused against them the resentment of the majority of the sailors and soldiers. The central float refuses to submit to the orders of the Bolsheviki. We call upon all sane elements to gather around the Committee for Salvation of Country and Revolution, to take serious measures to be ready, at the first call of the Central Committee of the Party, to act against the counter-revolutionists, who will doubtless attempt to profit by these troubles provoked by the Bolshevik adventure, and to watch closely the external enemy, who also would like to take advantage of this opportune moment when the front is weakened the military section of the central committee of the socialist revolutionary party from pravda quote, what is kerensky a usurper whose palace is in peter paul prison with kornilov and kishkin a criminal and traitor to the workers soldiers and peasants who believed in him kerensky a murderer of soldiers kerensky a public executioner of peasants Kerensky, a strangler of workers. Such is the second Kornilov, who now wants to butcher liberty. Appendix to Chapter 7 1. Two Decrees On the Press In the serious decisive hour of the revolution, and in the days immediately following it, the Provisional Revolutionary Committee is compelled to adopt a series of measures against the counter-revolutionary press of all shades. Immediately on all sides there are cries that the new socialist authority is in this violating the essential principles of its own program by an attempt against the freedom of the press. The workers' and peasants' government calls the attention of the population to the fact that in our country, behind this liberal shield, is hidden the opportunity for the wealthier classes to seize the lion's share of the whole press, and by this means to poison the popular mind and bring confusion into the consciousness of the masses. Everyone knows that the bourgeois press is one of the most powerful weapons of the bourgeoisie especially in this critical moment when the new authority of the workers and peasants is in process of consolidation it is impossible to leave it in the hands of the enemy at a time when it is not less dangerous than bombs and machine guns this is why temporary and extraordinary measures have been adopted for the purpose of stopping the flow of filth and calumny in which the yellow and green press would be glad to drown the young victory of the people as soon as the new order is consolidated all administrative measures against the press will be suspended full liberty will be given it within the limits of responsibility before the law in accordance with the broadest and most progressive regulations bearing in mind however the fact that any restrictions of the freedom of the press even in critical moments are admissible only within the bounds of necessity the council of people's commissars decrees as follows one the following classes of newspapers shall be subject to closure a those inciting to open resistance or disobedience to the workers and peasants government b those creating confusion by obviously and deliberately perverting the news c those inciting to acts of a criminal character punishable by the laws two 
the temporary or permanent closing of any organ of the press shall be carried out only by virtue of a resolution of the council of people's commissars three the present decree is of a temporary nature and will be revoked by a special ukaz when normal conditions of public life are re-established president of the council of people's commissars vladimir ulianov lenin on workers militia one all soviets of workers and soldiers deputies shall form a workers militia two this workers militia shall be entirely at the orders of the soviets of workers and soldiers deputies three military and civil authorities must render every assistance in arming the workers and in supplying them with technical equipment even to the extent of requisitioning arms belonging to the war department of the government four this decree shall be promulgated by telegraph petrograd november tenth nineteen seventeen people's commissar of the interior a i rykov this decree encouraged the formation of companies of red guards all over russia which became the most valuable arm of the soviet government in the ensuing civil war two the strike fund the fund for the striking government employees and bank clerks was subscribed by banks and business houses of petrograd and other cities and also by foreign corporations doing business in russia all who consented to strike against the bolsheviki were paid full wages and in some cases their pay was increased it was the realization of the strike fund contributors that the bolsheviki were firmly in power followed by their refusal to pay strike benefits which finally broke the strike appendix to chapter eight one kerensky's advance on november ninth kerensky and his cossacks arrived at gatchina where the garrison hopelessly split into two factions immediately surrendered the members of the gatchina soviet were arrested and at first threatened with death later they were released on good behavior the cossack advance guards practically unopposed occupied pavlovsk androvsk and other stations and reached the outskirts of sarskoye selo next morning november tenth at once the garrison divided into three groups the officers loyal to kerensky part of the soldiers and non-commissioned officers who declared themselves neutral and most of the rank and file who were for the bolsheviki the bolshevik soldiers who were without leaders or organization fell back toward the capital the local soviet also withdrew to the village of pulkovo from pulkovo six members of the sarkoy selo soviet went with an automobile load of proclamations to gatchina to propagandize the cossacks they spent most of the day going around gatchina from one cossack barracks to another pleading arguing and explaining toward evening some officers discovered their presence and they were arrested and brought before general krasnov who said you fought against kornilov now you are opposing kerensky i'll have you all shot after reading aloud to them the order appointing him commander-in-chief of the petrograd district krasnov asked if they were bolsheviki they replied in the affirmative upon which krasnov went away a short time later an officer came and set them free saying that it was by order of general krasnov in the meanwhile delegations continued to arrive from petrograd 
from the Duma, the Committee for Salvation, and, last of all, from the Vixhal. The Union of Railway Workers insisted that some agreement be reached to halt the Civil War, and demanded that Kerensky treat with the Bolsheviki, and that he stop the advance on Petrograd. In case of refusal, the Vixhal threatened a general strike at midnight of November 11th. Kerensky asked to be allowed to discuss the matter with the socialist ministers and with the Committee for Salvation. He was plainly undecided. On the 11th, Cossack outposts reached Krasnoy Selo, from which the local Soviet and the heterogeneous forces of the Military Revolutionary Committee precipitately retired, some of them surrendering. That night they also touched Polkovo, where the first real resistance was encountered. Cossacks deserters began to dribble into Petrograd, declaring that Kerensky had lied to them, that he had spread broadcast over the front proclamations which said that Petrograd was burning, that the Bolsheviki had invited the Germans to come in, and that they were murdering women and children and looting indiscriminately. The Military Revolutionary Committee immediately sent out some dozens of agitators, with thousands of printed appeals, to inform the Cossacks of the real situation. 2. Proclamations of the Military Revolutionary Committee Quote, To all Soviets of workers, soldiers, and peasants' deputies. The All-Russian Congress of Soviets of Workers, Soldiers, and Peasants' Deputies charges the local Soviets immediately to take the most energetic measures to oppose all counter-revolutionary, anti-Semitic disturbances, and all pogroms of whatever nature. The honor of the Workers, Peasants, and Soldiers' Revolution cannot tolerate any disorders. The Red Guard of Petrograd, the Revolutionary Garrison, and the Sailors have maintained complete order in the capital. Workers, soldiers, and peasants, everywhere you should follow the example of the workers and soldiers of Petrograd. Comrades, soldiers, and Cossacks, on us falls the duty of keeping real revolutionary order. All revolutionary Russia and the whole world have their eyes on you. The All-Russian Congress of Soviets decrees to abolish capital punishment at the front, which was reintroduced by Kerensky. Complete freedom of propaganda is to be re-established in the country. All soldiers and revolutionary officers now under arrest for so-called political crimes are at once to be set free. The ex-premier Kerensky, overthrown by the people, refuses to submit to the Congress of Soviets, and attempts to struggle against the legal government elected by the All-Russian Congress, the Council of People's Commissars. The Front has refused to aid Kerensky. Moscow has rallied to the new government. In many cities, Minsk, Mogilev, Kharkov, the power is in the hands of the Soviets. No infantry detachment consents to march against the workers' and peasants' government, which, in accord with the firm will of the army and the people, has begun peace negotiations, and has given the land to the peasants. We give public warning that if the Cossacks do not halt Kerensky, who has deceived them and is leading them against Petrograd, the revolutionary forces will rise with all their might for the defense of the precious conquests of the revolution, peace and land. Citizens of Petrograd, Kerensky fled from the city, abandoning the authority to Kishkin, who wanted to surrender the capital to the Germans, 
Rutenberg of the Black Band, who sabotaged the municipal food supply, and Polchinski, hated by the whole democracy. Kerensky has fled, abandoning you to the Germans, to famine, to bloody massacres. The revolting people have arrested Kerensky's ministers, and you have seen how the order and supplying of Petrograd at once improved. Kerensky, at the demand of the aristocrat proprietors, the capitalists, speculators, marches against you for the purpose of giving back the land to the landowners, and continuing the hated and ruinous war. Citizens of Petrograd, we know that the great majority of you are in favor of the people's revolutionary authority, against the Kornilovtsi, led by Kerensky. Do not be deceived by the lying declarations of the impotent bourgeois conspirators, who will be pitilessly crushed. Workers, soldiers, peasants, we call upon you for revolutionary devotion and discipline. Millions of peasants and soldiers are with us. The victory of the people's revolution is assured. 3. Acts of the Council of People's Commissars in this book I am giving only such decrees as are in my opinion pertinent to the Bolshevik conquest of power. The rest belong to a detailed account of the structure of the Soviet state, for which I have no place in this work. This will be dealt with very fully in the second volume, now in preparation, Kornilov to Brest-Litovsk. Concerning Dwelling Places 1. The independent municipal self-governments have the right to sequestrate all unoccupied or uninhabited dwelling places. 2. The municipalities may, according to laws and arrangements established by them, install in all available lodgings citizens who have no place to live, or who live in congested or unhealthy lodgings. 3. The municipalities may establish a service of inspection of dwelling places, organize it, and define its powers. 4. The municipalities may issue orders in the institution of house committees, define their organization, their powers, and give them juridical authority. 5. The municipalities may create housing tribunals, define their powers and their authority. 6. This decree is promulgated by telegraph. People's Commissar of the Interior, A. I. Rykov. On Social Insurance the Russian proletariat has inscribed on its banners the promise of complete social insurance of wage earners, as well as of the town and village poor. The government of the Tsar, the proprietors and the capitalists, as well as the government of coalition and conciliation, failed to realize the desires of the workers with regard to social insurance. The workers' and peasants' government, relying upon the support of the Soviets of workers, soldiers and peasants' deputies, announces to the working class of Russia and to the town and village poor that it will immediately prepare laws on social insurance based on the formulas proposed by the labor organizations. 1. Insurance for all wage workers without exception, as well as for all urban and rural poor. 2. Insurance to cover all categories of loss of working capacity, such as illness, infirmities, old age, childbirth, widowhood, orphanage, and unemployment. 3. All the costs of insurance to be charged to employers. 4. Compensation of at least full wages in all loss of working capacity and unemployment. 5. 
complete workers' self-government of all insurance institutions. In the name of the Government of the Russian Republic, the People's Commissar of Labor, Alexander Shliapnikov. On Popular Education Citizens of Russia, with the insurrection of November 7th, the working masses have won for the first time the real power. The All-Russian Congress of Soviets has temporarily transferred this power both to its executive committee and to the Council of People's Commissars. By the will of the revolutionary people, I have been appointed People's Commissar of Education. The work of guiding in general the people's education, inasmuch as it remains with the central government, is, until the Constituent Assembly meets, entrusted to a commission on the people's education, whose chairman and executive is the people's commissar. Upon what foundational propositions will rest this state commission? How is its sphere of competence determined? The general line of educational activity. Every genuinely democratic power must, in the domain of education, in a country where illiteracy and ignorance reign supreme, make its first aim the struggle against this darkness. It must acquire in the shortest time universal literacy, by organizing a network of schools answering to the demands of modern pedagogics. It must introduce universal, obligatory, and free tuition for all, and establish at the same time a series of such teachers' institutes and seminaries as will in the shortest time furnish a powerful army of people's teachers so necessary for the universal instruction of the population of our boundless Russia. Decentralization the State Commission on People's Education is by no means a central power governing the institutions of instruction and education. On the contrary, the entire schoolwork ought to be transferred to the organs of local self-government. The independent work of the workers, soldiers, and peasants, establishing on their own initiative cultural educational organizations, must be given full autonomy, both by the state center and the municipal centers. The work of the State Commission serves as a link and helpmate to organize resources of material and moral support to the municipal and private institutions, particularly to those with a class character established by the workers. The State Committee on People's Education A whole series of invaluable law projects was elaborated from the beginning of the revolution by the State Committee for People's Education a tolerably democratic body as to its composition, and rich in experts. The State Commission sincerely desires the collaboration of this committee. It has addressed itself to the Bureau of the Committee, with the request at once to convoke an extraordinary session of the committee for the fulfillment of the following program. 1. The revision of rules of representation in the committee, in the sense of greater democratization. 2 the revision of the committee's rights in the sense of widening them, and of converting the committee into a fundamental state institute for the elaboration of law projects calculated to reorganize public instruction and education in Russia upon democratic principles. 3. The revision, jointly with the new state commission, of the laws already created by the committee, a revision required by the fact that in editing them the committee had to take into account the bourgeois spirit of previous ministries, which obstructed it even in this its narrowed form.
After this revision, these laws will be put into effect, without bureaucratic red tape, in the revolutionary order. THE PEDAGOGUES AND THE SOCIETISTS The State Commission welcomes the pedagogues to the bright and honorable work of educating the people, the masters of the country. No one measure in the domain of the people's education ought to be adopted by any power without the attentive deliberation of those who represent the pedagogues. On the other hand, a decision cannot by any means be reached exclusively through the cooperation of specialists. This refers as well to reforms of the institutes of general education. The cooperation of the pedagogues with the social forces, this is how the commission will work both in its own constitution, in the state committee, and in all its activities. As its first task, the commission considers the improvement of the teacher's status, and first of all of those very poor though almost most important contributors to the work of culture, the elementary school teachers. Their just demands ought to be satisfied at once and at any cost. The proletariat of the schools has in vain demanded an increase of salary to one hundred roubles per month. It would be a disgrace any longer to keep in poverty the teachers of the overwhelming majority of the Russian people. But a real democracy cannot stop at mere literacy, at universal elementary instruction. It must endeavor to organize a uniform secular school of several grades. The ideal is, equal, and if possible, higher education for all the citizens. So long as this idea has not been realized for all, the natural transition through all the schooling grades up to the university, a transition to a higher stage, must depend entirely upon the pupil's aptitude, and not upon the resources of his family. The problem of a genuinely democratic organization of instruction is particularly difficult in a country impoverished by a long, criminal, imperialistic war. But the workers who have taken the power must remember that education will serve them as the greatest instrument in their struggle for a better lot and for a spiritual growth. However needful it may be to curtail other articles of the people's budget, the expenses on education must stand high. A large educational budget is the pride and glory of a nation. The free and enfranchised peoples of Russia will not forget this. The fight against illiteracy and ignorance cannot be confined to a thorough establishment of school education for children and youths. Adults, too, will be anxious to save themselves from the debasing position of a man who cannot read and write. The school for adults must occupy a conspicuous place in the general plan of popular instruction. Instruction and Education One must emphasize the difference between instruction and education. Instruction is the transmission of ready knowledge by the teacher to his pupil. Education is a creative process. The personality of the individual is being educated throughout life, is being formed, grows richer in content, stronger and more perfect. The toiling masses of the people, the workmen, the peasants, the soldiers, are thirsting for elementary and advanced instruction, but they are also thirsting for education. Neither the government, nor the intellectuals, nor any other power outside of themselves can give it to them. The school, the book, the theatre, the museum, etc., may here be only aids. 
they have their own ideas formed by their social position so different from the position of those ruling classes and intellectuals who have hitherto created culture they have their own ideas their own emotions their own ways of approaching the problems of personality and society the city laborer according to his own fashion the rural toiler according to his will each build his clear world conception permeated with the class idea of the workers there is no more superb or beautiful phenomenon than the one of which our nearest descendants will be both witnesses and participants the building by collective labor of its own general rich and free soul instruction will surely be an important but not a decisive element what is more important here is the criticism the creativeness of the masses themselves for science and art have only in some of their parts a general human importance they suffer radical changes with every far-reaching class upheaval throughout russia particularly among the city laborers but also among the peasants a powerful wave of cultural educational movement has arisen workers and soldiers organizations of this kind are multiplying rapidly to meet them to lend them support to clear the road before them is the first task of a revolutionary and popular government in the domain of democratic education the constituent assembly will doubtless soon begin its work it alone can permanently establish the order of national and social life in our country and at the same time the general character of the organization of popular education now however with the passage of power to the soviets the really democratic character of the constituent assembly is assured the line which the state commission relying upon the state committee will follow will hardly suffer any modification under the influence of the constituent assembly without predetermining it the new people's government considers itself within its rights in enacting in this domain a series of measures which aim at reaching and enlightening as soon as possible the spiritual life of the country the ministry the present work must in the interim proceed through the ministry of the people's education of all the necessary alterations in its composition and construction the state commission will have charge elected by the executive committee of the soviets and the state committee of course the order of state authority in the domain of the people's education will be established by the constituent assembly until then the ministry must play the part of the executive apparatus for both the state committee and the state commission for people's education the pledge of the country's safety lies in the cooperation of all its vital and genuinely democratic forces we believe that the energetic effort of the working people and of the honest enlightened intellectuals will lead the country out of its painful crisis and through complete democracy to the reign of socialism and the brotherhood of nations people's commissar on education a v lunacharsky on the order in which the laws are to be ratified and published one until the convocation of the constituent assembly the enacting and publishing of laws shall be carried out in the order decreed by the present provisional workmen's and peasants government elected by the all-russian congress of workers peasants and soldiers deputies two every bill is presented for consideration of the government by the respective ministry signed by the duly authorized people's commissar 
or it is presented by the legislative section attached to the government, signed by the chief of the section. 3. After its ratification by the government, the decree in its final edition, in the name of the Russian Republic, is signed by the President of the Council of People's Commissars, or for him by the People's Commissar who presented it for the consideration of the government, and is then published. 4. The date of publishing it in the official Gazette of the Provisional Workmen's and Peasants' Government is the date of its becoming law. 5. In the decree there may be appointed a date, other than the date of publication, on which it shall become law, or it may be promulgated by telegraph, in which case it is to be regarded in every locality as becoming law upon the publication of the telegram. 6. The promulgation of legislative acts of the government by the state senate is abolished. The legislative section attached to the Council of People's Commissars issues periodically a collection of regulations and orders of the government which possess the force of law. 7. The Central Executive Committee of the Soviets of Workers, Peasants, and Soldiers' Deputies, Tsaiika, has at all times the right to cancel, alter, or annul any of the government decrees. In the name of the Russian Republic, the President of the Council of People's Commissars, V. Yulianov Lenin. 4. The Liquor Problem. Order issued by the Military Revolutionary Committee. 1. Until further order, the production of alcohol and alcoholic drinks is prohibited. 2. It is ordered to all producers of alcohol and alcoholic drinks to inform, not later than on the 27th, this month, of the exact site of their stores. 3. All culprits against this order will be tried by a military revolutionary court. The Military Revolutionary Committee. 5. Order number 2. From the Committee of the Finland Guard Reserve Regiment to all House Committees and to the citizens of Vasily Ostrov. The bourgeoisie has chosen a very sinister method of fighting against the proletariat. It has established in various parts of the city huge wine depots and distributes liquor among the soldiers, in this manner attempting to sow dissatisfaction in the ranks of the Revolutionary Army. It is herewith ordered to all House Committees that at three o'clock, the time set for posting this order, they shall in person and secretly notify the President of the Committee of the Finland Guard Regiment concerning the amount of wine in their premises. Those who violate this order will be arrested and given trial before a merciless court, and their property will be confiscated, and the stock of wine discovered will be blown up with dynamite two hours after this warning, because more lenient measures, as experience has shown, do not bring the desired results. Remember, there will be no other warning before the explosions. Regimental Committee of the Finland Guard Regiment End of Chapters 5-8 through eight Appendices